0: CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live Bible answer program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a question on the Bible or the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. That's 1-8888-ASK-CSN. Now let's get things started. Here's today's host.
1: Well, hello there, everybody, and welcome to the Tuesday edition of To Every Man and Answer. I'm your host, filling in for Pastor Mike Kessler. My name is John Randall, and I'm part of the CSN family here, radio broadcast, a daily walk, heard here on CSN, also the pastor of Calvary South OC, located in San Clemente, California. And uh, if you have a question about the Christian faith, what we believe, why we believe it, and is it even in the Bible, I would encourage you to call right now. We have several lines open. Eighty-eight, eighty-eight. Ask CSN. That number again is eighty-eight, eighty-eight. Ask CSN. And joining me today is someone that you are certainly familiar with, uh, also part of the CSN family, Pastor Scott Parker, Calvary Chapel, Festus, Missouri. Pastor Scott, thanks so much for being here with us today.
2: Well, you got it, Pastor John. It's great to be with you uh, again. It's been a while, and uh, but it's always a blessing uh, to be on with you, and uh, looking forward to answering questions today. Oh, praise the Lord. You know, uh Scott, I was thinking about all of the things that are
1: currently going on in the world. It seems that every direction you look, there is something on the horizon and and many things that we mm-hmm. perhaps never thought we would see before or things that we thought were in the future. I mean, when you look at the the current condition, globally speaking, you look at what's going on in the Middle East. What's your take on what is currently unfolding? What is your uh, your thoughts on all that's going on in Israel, and how do you think the church should respond to all of
2: this? Well, I think what we need to do um as the body of Christ number one is I think we need to remember what the scriptures have to say concerning the nation of Israel, mm. um especially you know in Genesis chapter twelve. When it talks about those who bless Israel, God will bless and those who curse Israel, God will curse. Mm. And then, of course, in the Psalms, you have, uh, the, the, um, I would say maybe the admonition or the encouragement to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, maybe more of a, a command. Um, and those who love her and, and do this will prosper. Mm. And so when you look in scripture, you definitely see that, you know, it was God, the chosen nation of Israel, uh, to, to be his people um in the sense of the nations. He chose them. He made promises to them that uh, he is going to keep those promises that have been yet fulfilled. He's going to keep them. Uh, not only that, but he has grafted us as Gentiles into uh, a new covenant that he made, by the way, with the house of Judah and with Israel uh, through Jesus Christ. Uh, he chose the Jew to bring, to bring the scriptures to us, to bring the Messiah to us so we as Gentiles could, could come to know him. And so I think it behooves us as Christians uh, to do just that, to always pray for the nation of Israel. Uh, that doesn't mean that, that everything that Israel always does and that their government always does that we agree with or that always is always right. Uh, but in this case, uh, they did nothing wrong. They, they, they didn't, they didn't provoke this attack, uh, that has happened to them. And, uh, we should, we have many reasons, biblical reasons and good political reasons too for standing for Israel. You know, Israel is the only true democracy, uh, in that whole region. And just for that, as Americans, we should be pro-Israel, uh, for the geopolitical, uh, part of it. So there's the biblical part, there's the political part. Um, you know, and I can't help but think, John, when I see these things going on, when I, when I see the fact that Hamas is backed by Iran, you know, and that Russia also has already, um, you know, made agreements and, and came, come into, what do we want to say? Uh, maybe an agreement or, uh, in, I guess here in Missouri, we'd use the word cahoots, uh, with, with Turkey and Russia. Um, when we see that, we're seeing, we're seeing the potential making for the war that's mentioned in Ezekiel 38 and 39, which I believe, uh, is actually going to take place. It is my opinion after the rapture. Um, but the point is, is no, I don't think this is what we're into right now, but when we see these things, we need to pay attention. Because we're seeing it all come together. We're seeing God put the players in the right places for the things that he told us was going to happen to happen. And John, I always encourage people this way. Listen, if we're seeing things um, or the, at least the precursors of things that the Bible talks about that's going to happen after the rapture and in the tribulation, if we're seeing those things now, then that means one thing. That means the rapture is even closer. So, it, you know, I use it all as a pastor just to warn people, be ready. And so that's kind of my take on it right now.
1: Yeah, that's excellent, and I appreciate your perspective on that. You know, Luke 21, Jesus said, when you see these things begin to take place, look up, lift up your heads— for your redemption draws near. And it's important as the Church of Jesus Christ, we need to be certainly looking up. Well, we want to go to our callers here. We still have a few lines open, 888-ASC-C-S-N. But let's go out to Greensboro, Georgia. We've got Tyler on the line. Tyler, welcome to Every Man and Answer. How can we help you today?
3: Good afternoon. Uh, I just called in for a prayer request. Uh, I have atrial fibrillation, and now I went to doctors last week and. They're saying that my pressure in my eyes are really bad. My peripheral vision is really bad on one side, and uh, I have no job and no insurance. Uh, what mm-hmm. Dave said, it's just I can't commit to a job right now cause of the way I feel. So um, I need some prayer.
1: Okay. Well, Tyler, I'm so glad you called. And, you know, we got people listening all over the country today who are going to join us in prayer for you, brother. And And Pastor Scott, would you lift mm-hmm. up? our brother Tyler, to the Lord today, and we'll agree with you.
2: I would love to. And Tyler, I'd also love to share with you the fact that I also have atrial fibrillation. I've had it all my life. Uh It was an inherited thing. And it is uh, something, the first episode I ever had, I was 21 years old. And in the last three years, um it's increased quite a bit where I've had more episodes. Uh, You know, I've had a uh, cardio version—that's where you have your heart shocked and have it put back in rhythm. I've had that done six, seven times. Uh, I've had two ablations, uh, which were procedures uh, that the doctors claim will fix it, and so far it hasn't fixed it. Um, but the Lord has sustained me. And uh, Tyler, I, I understand uh, exactly what you're saying. Um, you know, um, there's different kinds of atrial fibrillations for and, and have different causes. Um, but the thing is when, when mine happens, I mean, I can do nothing. I mean, I, I can't do anything physical. It just cripples me. Um, but the Lord has been good, uh, to provide. Um, I also, and, and, and Tyler, I don't mean, I don't mind sharing this for, for your benefit and uh, the benefit of other listeners. Uh, I also don't have health insurance. Um, but what I do have, and you hear it advertised on CSN, I do have a, a sharing plan, a medical sharing plan through a Christian group. Uh, it's not the one that's advertised on CSN, but I do have one. Um, and they're very, very helpful and the premiums are affordable. And, uh, with that, they have paid for everything, uh, that I've ever had to have done. So I'm going to pray uh, that the Lord would, uh, would, you know, sustain you and help you with this to where you could, uh, you know, get some kind of income, uh, because if you can and when you can, I would, I would encourage you to look into these Christian medical health sharing plans, uh, because they are legitimate. They are good. And I'll be honest with you. Um, and maybe I'm doing a commercial here for Metashare and everybody else, but, uh, I'll be honest with you. They have, they have actually been better than any, any insurance I've ever paid for. And so, uh, anyway, I just felt led to tell you that and to, and to share that with you and maybe any other listeners that are going through the same thing. Cause I tell you what, atrial fib is scary. I mean, mm-hmm. it is scary when all of a sudden your heart is beating at, you know, 150 to 200 beats a minute and you can't breathe and you can't function and you have to stay that way for, for days or weeks even. And, uh, it's crippling. And, uh, I don't know about you, Tyler, but sometimes when my heart does that, Um, I, I have this quick, this, this quick thought just hits my head. Is this it is, you know, once, once my heart goes out of rhythm, is it going to go back? Is it, you know, am am I going to be okay? Um, but the one thing that keeps me grounded is knowing this, uh, in Acts chapter 17, it's in him, we live and move and have our being. And that he's the one who gives to all breath, life, breath, and all things, and so as a believer, I know this, that the Lord is not going to let me leave this earth until he is done with me and I've finished the work he's given me to do. And Tyler, that, that goes for you too, as a believer in Jesus Christ. So let's pray real quick. Father, I, I lift Tyler up to you and Lord, as a, as another brother who, who, who can have compassion for him. I know exactly what he's going through. Father, I ask you to give him perfect peace right now. Father, I also pray. Lord, that you would cause his heart, Father, to function properly. I ask you to touch him, that, Lord, wherever the circuit in his heart is going wrong, Lord, we pray that you would correct it and cause his heart to beat normally, cause the blood to flow, and for him to have the oxygen that he needs. And, Father, I pray that when he does have an episode, Lord— that he wouldn't allow his mind to wander into the what ifs and, and to, and to allow fear to overtake him. But I pray, Father, that his mind would be stayed on you. And that's the promise you give us that he, you will keep us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. And so Father, I ask in Jesus name that you would extend your hand and that you would touch him and that you would bring healing and health and restoration to his heart. Father, I pray you give him grace. That, Lord, that when he does have these episodes, that you would strengthen him and and get him, Lord, through the situation. And, Father, we're praying also for provision. Father, I pray that you would provide for him, Lord, either the strength in his body to be able to go to work or you would work out something, Father, to where he would have the provision he needs. Father, to where he could be able to get the medical attention, Father, that he needs. So I just lift tighter to you today. And, Lord, I ask you to touch him, Lord, body, soul, and his spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
1: Well, thank you, Pastor Scott. And, Tyler, mm-hmm. I hope that encouraged you, brother. And just know that there's somebody here on the other line that knows exactly what you're going through. What a blessing yeah. to be able to call. I didn't even know that, uh, yeah. Pastor Scott, about your condition and just the fact that you're available. And, and Tyler, I hope you're in, encouraged, brother. And we'll keep praying for you. I encourage you to stay on the line. There are those that would love to send you out some encouraging uh resources that I think will be a blessing to you. But just know that the CSN family here who's listening today, yeah. you've been prayed for, brother, all over the country. So God bless you, and, and please call again, and we uh, look forward to hearing from you. Let's go out to Austin, Texas. We've got Darren on the line. Darren, so glad to have you today on To Every Man and Answer. How can we help you?
4: Hello. Yes, I had a question, please. Um I live in Austin, um, which is a very liberal city. And um, a lot of the places I go, uh, there's rainbow flags. And I, the rainbow flag offends me because, you know, it, it, what it represents is satanic. And mm-hmm. um, and I'm wondering, though, am I am I doing wrong
1: by giving those
4: business, businesses my business?
1: Mm, I see what you're asking. Basically, are you – by going into those places of business – are you supporting, uh, what they're, they're standing for? It's a really good question. You know, we do know, uh, Scott, that we are called to be the light of the world. We're like a city that's set up a hill. And In order to be light, sometimes we have to be in, in dark places. But what do you think about? What is your thoughts on going into these places that support, uh, and I don't know that you can find, um, a department store anymore or any kind of business that doesn't have some kind of tie or link to, some of these agendas that are out there, it's hard to know what company do I not go to? And what's your, what's your take on that?
2: Yeah. Well, John, I think this, I, I really think those companies and businesses mm-hmm. that are very, uh, flagrant with this, that mm-hmm. they're pushing it in your face, mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to do business with, uh, because they are promoting it. They're proud of it. And, you know, I, I agree with you, John, when, when you say, that, you know, there's so many businesses now that to some degree or another, they're making money. They're benefiting. It benefits them as a company, uh, to, you know, to play this game, uh, that they support, you know, that community and that philosophy and that idea. Um, but you know, John, I, we've also seen too, uh, in the recent past, uh, you know, I'm here in St. Louis and of course we have Budweiser and you know whenever they had put um that uh, transgender man you know on right. their on their uh, beer cans and such um there was a lot of people um not even christian people who stopped buying it and it did put a dent in their sales and that has been happening um because it's it's not listen this whole issue of Of homosexuality, transgenderism, all of that. Um, you don't have to be a Christian to see that it's vile, that it's evil, that it's wrong, and it's not even natural. Um, you know, and then plus we have the scriptures that tell us all about it. And you know, even people who aren't Christians, uh, even stopped supporting these kind of businesses. And when they did, they suffered in that way and would, you know, start listening to some of this going on. And I do think if Christians did do a little more of that, that it might have an impact uh on how they promote and what they promote. But, but John, I agree with you in, in this day and time, you're going to be very hard pressed to find uh just about any business for the things you need every day. um That doesn't, it's not involved in that or at least catering to that some way. But I would say this, uh, a, a business that's going to fly the flag uh, in their store or outside their store, they are pushing it in your face. They, they are proud of that. And with that, I couldn't in my conscience walk past the flag, walk in the door and purchase from them and support their business uh, when they are so, uh, so, um, you know, uh, bent on making sure this philosophy and this idea gets across to people um there's other places i can go for that so i really think darren this is this is um, it, it's it's a matter of truth as far as scripture's concerned but it's also a matter of conscience um you know and uh, you know if you're if you're feeling like you shouldn't be supporting them then i wouldn't go I, I personally couldn't do it so that's my take on it john
1: yeah i appreciate that and I, I would agree with that you know i haven't been back to target since they came out uh with nope. all of their uh, paraphernalia a while back and i uh I, I haven't been back in. That's just my choice. I'll tell you there's a great app, a good friend of mine, the CEO of a company called Public Square. Uh it's an app that you can download and it tells you um what the business is actually what they stand for, what they believe. And he actually has mapped it out pretty much to the United States businesses that have contacted them. So you know, hey, if I want my money to go to this or this coffee shop or that restaurant. And it actually tells you where they stand. And it's it's kind of a blessing to be able to have access to those companies that uh maybe they're not flat out Christian, but they do support morality or uh, the United States. I mean, just things that, that are important to you. So, Darren, I think it's important to pray and understand your concern, and I think you should be led by the Holy Spirit. And And like uh, Scott said, we, we'd have a hard time going into those places too. So I think if there's a conviction there and just don't feel peace about going in, I, I wouldn't go in either if they're just constantly putting it out there. Does that answer your question for you, Darren? Yeah. But I, can I ask real quick?
4: Is, sure you um, can. And it's, 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 yeah, I definitely avoid businesses like that, like Target and Budweiser and such. But this in this instance, it's, it's my vet, <laughs> and it's it's hard mm-hmm. to find a good vet, or it's hard to find mm-hmm. a vet that I can trust. And and this vet office has the flags like there, and and I I and I, I don't know. It's Austin. I could pro- I could very well find a different vet that has the same thing.
1: And so am I doing wrong by by giving them my business? Or? Right. I don't know if it's it's a question of right or wrong. What I would say is you need to ask the Holy Spirit about it. I mean, the fact that you're calling and you have a question tells me that there's obviously some concern to you. And my I suppose my question to you would be, why would you be concerned if there's no problem? Why would you call in and ask the question? It seems to me like there is an underlying conviction there, and that could be the Holy Spirit. Now, granted, if you're going in and being a witness to your vet and you're seeking to lead him to Christ, that's one thing. There's a lot of great veterinarians around there and a lot of great baristas out there and different places that you could go. But I think, Darren you perhaps probably know the answer to the question you're asking. And it's it can be difficult. I have pets. I love my dog. And I get it. When you find a good vet, you don't want to take him somewhere else. But God understands that, and he's God, and he can provide. So we'll be praying for you, brother, that you make the right decision. You follow the leading of the Lord. Again, for us personally, our take would be, well, maybe it's time to find another vet. But um you know, I, I know that the Lord will guide and direct you. So I encourage you to stay on the line out there in Austin and we'd love to send you some materials. That would be an encouragement to you, Darren. Thanks for calling, brother. And uh, we trust you're going to hear from the Lord on that. Why don't we go out to Iowa? We're going to, Scott, we're going to my home state. This is where I'm from, Iowa. Can you really? It? Yeah, the Midwest. We're finding I out all no kinds idea. of things about <laughs> each other. Yeah, we're going out to <laughs> Iowa with Colby. Colby, thanks for calling. Uh, you're on to Every Man and Answer.
3: Hi, uh, I had a question in the book of Job. Uh, we were le- reading through it as a family, just starting it out, and a question came up in, uh, just in the first chapter there where uh, Job talked about uh, uh, making, offering burnt offerings um, in case his children had sinned. And it, uh, I kind of thought of that. I know this is the Old Testament, but, you know, in New Testament um, times like today, you know, we... Uh, are all responsible for our own salvation. And my, you know, I can pray for my children, but I, there's, whether I baptize them or whatever I do, I can't do anything for their salvation. So I'm just curious why Job would do sacrifices for his children. Cause it seems like his children should be doing their own sacrifices for the remission of their sins.
1: Right. It's a very good question that you ask. Of course, you make a valid point there, uh, Colby, that we are talking about the Old Covenant, Under the law, we're going back to the Old Testament. There was a sacrificial system that was put into place. This was the way whereby sins could be atoned for. Um, Sometimes the responsibility of the parent, the father, is the leader of that household would be to offer things up on behalf of the family. The one thing I do love about this particular passage, and I'm going to throw this over to Pastor Scott, but is the fact that Job was consistent in praying for his kids that just in case... They had wandered away or cursed God or whatever. He was interceding on their behalf and he was offering sacrifices. And you're right. He, he wasn't, uh, he couldn't earn their salvation through these sacrifices. But a lot of times he was, it appears that there was a covering that was made
2: perhaps as the representative of that family. Scott, what's your take on that? Mm-hmm. You know, this is such a great question. And what I believe comes into play here is the responsibility of a godly father in leading his family in a spiritual way. I think that's what's going on. Um, it's really interesting because, you know, in the scriptures, uh, the father, the husband is the head of the wife. The father is the head of the household and is to be the spiritual leader. Uh, we know that from a lot of scriptures. And so what you're seeing here, if, if you look there in verse five, it talks about how Job would send and sanctify them. And that he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings. Well, burnt offerings, what they were, now we know later in the law that burnt offerings were voluntary offerings that were given as, as a dedication to God, where you're dedicating yourself to God. What I believe is going on here is when, when you look in first Corinthians chapter seven, uh, Paul mentions that even the, the children of a family or a, uh, a marriage where one person's a believer and one's not a believer, that because of the believer that, because one of the spouses and one of the parents are a believer, God looks at the children as sanctified. He, he looks at them as holy, um, as, as children. Now we know that what we're talking about here are, are grown, uh, the grown children of, of Job. But what I believe, I believe the principle is all the same. I believe what Job is doing here is he is acting on behalf of his children as the high priest of his family and the high priest of his home. And, you know, regardless, he, you know, he can't command his children to obey God, but I believe what he's doing is through prayer, he's coming to god because it's very true right that no one else can you know besides jesus no one else can make a sacrifice for our sins uh, no one else can confess our sins for us it's it's between us and god in the old covenant and in the new covenant you know the the person who's committed the sins have to have to own up to them and confess them and make atonement for them through sacrifice and such and of course in the new testament we're talking about faith in christ and jesus doing that for us but i believe that's what we're looking at here i believe what what Job is doing is as the head of his home and a concern for his children he's making these burnt offerings as to dedicate his children to the Lord and asking for God you know to to bless them and to uh protect them and to actually um you know watch over them uh, on his behalf um, in that sense. So I believe what he's doing here would be something akin to when we dedicate our children or when we constantly pray for our children, you know, as, as Christian parents, even when and if our children go astray, um, we're still going to pray for them. We're still going to offer sacrifices in the sense of offering prayers to the Lord for on behalf and for our children. And I believe that's what Joe's doing here. John.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. And Colby, I, I just want to say and commend you, uh, brother. I love the fact that you're reading the scriptures together as mm-hmm. a family. And I think that says a lot about uh your commitment to the Lord and um I hope that answers that for you. Does that help you, Colby?
3: Yes, it does. No, I really appreciate that and that uh you know, that definitely makes that passage make more sense and I'll share it with our family at our next reading.
1: Oh, that's awesome, brother. Well, God bless you out there in Iowa. I encourage you to stay on the line. Colby, we'd love to send you out some materials, some resources that will be a blessing to you. And, uh, you know, I think it is important. You know, we're almost, we're coming up on a break here, folks. We're about a minute away from our, our midway point already through our program today. But I, I think it is important. If you're a parent listening today and, uh, mother, father, grandfather, grandmother, it's important that we do as Pastor Scott uh, mentioned, uh, we take the lead that that's our responsibility. It's not the church's responsibility to lead our kids spiritually. It's our responsibility. It's not the Christian school. It starts with us. It starts in our home and by being good examples, leading them in prayer, uh, leading them in the word, praying for them, even when your kids are grown. Scott and I, we have grown kids as well. And, mm-hmm. and I'm sure there's not a day that goes by that we don't lift them up to the Lord and, and uh, intercede on their behalf. So parents, Keep on doing that. Keep sowing and keep watering. And eventually Bible says you're going to reap if you don't lose heart. And I think you'll be, uh, blessed because of that. Well, Pastor Scott, I can't believe we're already halfway through our program. We got more calls here. If you have, if you still want to call, you can call 8888 Ask CSN. We have some lines open. We'd love to hear from you. We got some pretty good questions I'm looking at that are right around the corner and, uh, you don't want to miss it. So stick around and we'll be right back. Um, with this second half of To Every Man an Answer. will be right back.
0: Hey, this is Brant, along with Sherry here. And so you hear me doing these spots for MediShare, And Sherry actually helps me with them. I get people actually in person saying, okay, Brent, for real, do you recommend this? Like, yeah, uh, for real, I actually do. I'm not just saying stuff. So family, friends ask me about it. I'm like, yes, you should look into this. It's really a great option for a lot of people.
5: That's what I tell people my experience has been, MetaShare has been, fantastic for me yeah it's so different from health insurance in a lot of great ways honestly yeah
0: and see a lot of people who have switched tell me that it's the same reaction they're very very happy with it and it gives them peace of mind and saves them a lot of money
5: i would tell people look
0: into it yep uh so really for reals uh if you want to talk to them they're great to talk to i think you'll be impressed and happy you looked into it so um, you do the phone number. I'm actually tired of doing all the phone numbers. Okay. Call now.
5: 855-91-BIBLE. That's 855-91-BIBLE. 855-91-BIBLE.
0: Nice job.
5: Thanks.
6: Are you ready to study to show yourself approved? A workman not ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth? In this sad, lonely, and lost generation, people need help. They need Jesus. And who can present the gospel better than you? Calvary Chapel University wants to be a helper of your joy, so you can go out and make disciples who make disciples. Go to calvarychapeluniversity.edu and apply today, and you'll earn outstanding scholarships. Most of our CCU graduates graduate early or on time, debt-free, and sound doctrinally. Go to calvarychapeluniversity.edu and apply today. Skip Heitzig is one of our faculty members, and David Guzik is not only a board member, but he just earned his Master of Divinity at CCU. Go to calvarychapeluniversity.edu and apply today and watch God move powerfully in your life.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to this Tuesday edition of To Every Man and Answer. I'm your host, John Randall. Filling in for Pastor Mike Kessler and joining me today on the program is uh, Pastor Scott Parker from Festus, Missouri, Calvary Chapel. So glad to have you guys here with us today. Had some great calls this first half hour, but now we're moving into the second half of our program. Glad you could join us. We're going to go out to Cottonwood, Arizona and speak with Nancy. Nancy, welcome to the program. So glad to have you on. Hi. Uh, how can we help you today?
5: Yes, it is um, on 1 Corinthians 15, chapter 15, 51 and 52. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to read it to you and then I'll sure, it Sure, why not? To you?
1: Yeah, go okay, ahead. Okay, be-
5: behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. 52 in a moment in the twinkling of an eye in the la- at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed what ha- a few weeks ago i was reading this and what i see is in 52 in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet my problem is If it says last, that means there was others. And if this is the rapture before all the other trumpets during the tribulation, why does it say that?
1: Mm, That is a really good question. The first thing I want to say to you, Nancy, is I want to commend you for thinking scripturally and really asking those kinds of questions and seeing the trumpet mentioned here, seeking to tie it to the trumpets uh there in Revelation. And so as you look at this passage, and I do believe it does refer to the rapture of the church. I love that in a moment, twinkling of an eye, that fast, everything's going to change when we hear the sound of that trumpet. But Pastor Scott, why do you think it is that some people think, uh is this connected to the trumpets that are in
2: Revelation? Or is this different? Why does it say the last trumpet? Well, that's a good question. And I would say, number one, I would not... Associate this with the trumpet judgments in Revelation because all of those trumpets are judgments against the people who have rejected Christ, who have rejected God, they're living during the tribulation uh, uh, period. Those are, those trumpets represent judgments against rebellious people who will not repent. In fact, as you go through the trumpet judgments in chapter eight and you get to chapter nine, you'll see at the end before, before the seventh trumpet is sounded, you know, a few chapters later, you'll see that it tells you two times in chapter nine and the people still would not repent. So there's no connection between this last Trump here and and the Trump, the trumpet judgments uh, that are listed there. Um, Also, Uh, what you see is at this trumpet, this, what's called the last trump here, what's going to happen here is, is going to be glorious. This isn't judgment. This is, this is the, uh, the church being raptured and glorified. This is dead saints being raised and their bodies being, uh, them being given a glorified body. Um, it's exactly the opposite. The, the, The two are not the same. In fact, this one will happen way before uh these other trumpets will ever be sounded. Um, what it's speaking of here in the last trump, and, and number one, we have to understand this that if you look at First Corinthians chapter or First Thessalonians chapter four, you'll see there that there's the mention of a trumpet and it's in association with both the resurrection of the dead believers and the rapture or the taking up of the believers who are alive at that time. Okay. And what's interesting is it mentions a voice and a shout. And it also mentions that it's, it's, it's like the, it's like, uh, the sound of an archangel. Well, when you come over to, um, Revelation chapter one, John, when he receives his revelation and his, his vision of Jesus, he hears a voice that's like the sound of a trumpet and it's the voice of Jesus. Then in Revelation chapter 4, what you see is he hears that voice like a trumpet again. And this time in Revelation chapter 4, after the letters of the seven churches, John hears that same voice, who is the Lord Jesus from chapter 1, saying to him, come up here. And then what happens is in chapters 4 and 5, you see John And all of the redeemed people of God around God's throne in heaven in chapters four and five before the tribulation begins in chapter six. And then it's not till chapter eight and nine that you have the trumpet judgments. So what's this last trumpet? You have to remember Paul was a Jewish rabbi. And what Paul was referring to and what he's connecting the rapture to, both in First Corinthians chapter or in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and in 1 Corinthians 15, he's connecting the rapture with language from the feast of trumpets in the Old Testament. Because in the Old Testament, the Jewish New Year began with the blowing of trumpets, and rabbis tell us that what they blew was exactly a hundred trumpets. And at the last trumpet, when the last trumpet was blown, then the Feast of of Trumpets was in full swing. And what that was to do was to prepare the people then for the Day of Atonement, which was 10 days later. So what's interesting is if you look at the language Paul uses in First Thessalonians 4 and in 1 Corinthians 15, he's using language that goes back to the Feast of Trumpets. And when you go back to there, what you find out is the Jews literally looked at the Feast of Trumpets as the day when God is going to raise the dead. In fact, the Jews called that day the Great Awakening, okay? And it's just so interesting how Paul takes something that the Jews understood as Resurrection Day at the sound of these hundred trumpets, and he then says, but on that last trumpet— when Jesus comes, he's going, his voice is going to be like the sound of a trumpet and he's going to resurrect us and raise us, uh, or rapture us up to be with him. So that's what I believe the connections are being made there, John.
1: Mm, excellent response. Uh, Pastor Scott, I appreciate that. Nancy, does that give you some insight, some clarification on that particular passage?
5: Yes. I just, can you give me those Old Testament references?
1: Yes, ma'am. Scott, could you, uh, Give us those references uh, to the uh, the Trumpets. Yeah,
2: so the Feast of Trumpets, that that is mentioned in Leviticus chapter 23. Now, Nancy, here's here's what I would encourage you to do. Um, Back during the Feast of Trumpets this year, back in September, I actually did a teaching on this for my church. And it's called the Feast of Trumpets and the Rapture of the Church. And so um, if you would go to YouTube... And if you go to our YouTube channel for our church, it's Calvary Chapel Festus. If you go there, uh you can find the teaching that I did on that, and that will go way more in depth and uh and give you all of that. I, not only am I giving tons of scripture in that teaching, uh, but then I'm also giving extra biblical information of how the Jews looked at and understood that day. Okay, and I, I believe that'll be a big help to you. John? Oh, that's fantastic. Nancy, I hope that helps you. Encourage you. Go check that out. And I think that'll just
1: even provide more insight concerning that question. Encourage you to stay on the line. Love to send you out some materials that I think will be an encouragement to you, a blessing to you. And be sure to check out that uh, message by Pastor Scott there on the Calvary Chapel Festus YouTube page. God bless you. Well, let's go now to the beautiful area. And it is a beautiful area. Destin, Florida. Dina, you're on the line. How are you today?
7: Hi, I'm good. I just think it's funny that that question came right before mine, because I had a question about the rapture also. That's Um, great. So um, I've always believed the rapture to be, you know, like a mass event, just from the teachings I've heard and things. Um, But lately, I've had friends and family who've been talking about um, the rapture. They say, well, the rapture for them is they die and they go to heaven and Jesus came for them and they were raptured. And that confuses me. It doesn't make any sense to me. (laughs) And so I was just Mm -hmm. wondering if there was any scripture that I could share with them that talks about it being more of a mass event versus like an individual event.
1: Absolutely. And I think it's really important in light of the days in which we're living um, to understand what the Bible has to say about the rapture. And let me just comment and say that the rapture of the church versus the second coming of Jesus Christ— are two separate, distinct events from one another. In the rapture of the church, we are caught up, the Bible says. As Pastor Scott said a moment ago, First Thessalonians 4, we are snatched away, caught up to be with the Lord in the clouds. And only those that are caught up see him. But then the second coming is when Jesus comes back on the clouds with the church and every eye We'll see him. You know, Pastor Scott, as, as we hear more about this, some people seem to have their eschatology. I've even heard it's starting to change a little bit. Well, the rapture, I don't know if it's there. And <laughs> I don't know if I really believe it. And I think if you just read through the scriptures, it becomes very clear that the rapture of the church is is found in the word of God. Can we help uh, Dina out there in Destin with some
2: passages of scripture? Sure. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 in verse 13, Paul says, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren. Now, when he says ignorant, he's not making fun of them. The word ignorant means uninformed. And you know, John, I think it's interesting because everywhere in the New Testament, when Paul says to the church, I don't want you to be ignorant, have you noticed that those are always uh, talking – Paul's always talking about subjects there that the modern church today divides and fights over? That, that's what's so it's interesting true. to me. Every one of these things. Mm-hmm. He, t- he says this concerning Israel. He says it concerning the rapture. He says it concerning spiritual gifts. I mean, every time Paul brings this up, you look at the modern church today and you're like, yeah, that's, these are the very things that churches are splitting over and arguing and spiritual over. Spiritual warfare too. The same thing. Yeah. yeah. Satan's having the his heyday with it. this. Yeah. So. yeah. But, but it's interesting that Paul said that because he wanted us to understand it clearly. And so Paul simply says this concerning the rapture. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed concerning those who have fallen asleep, which means died, uh, believers who have already died. And then he goes on to say, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, which we do, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. In other words, when Jesus raptures the church, the dead believers aren't going to miss it. And then it says, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord – I mean Paul is even saying this is not this is not coming from me this isn't my revelation this is coming directly from the Lord he says that we we and that's plural okay so you have to understand he's not talking about a personal event here that's just going to affect him or certain christians as individuals he's using the plural we for we who are alive and remain until the coming of the lord speaking of the rapture here He says, we will by no means precede those who are asleep. In other words, the Lord's not going to take us without them. And then it says in verse 16, for the Lord himself would descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And that's the resurrection of the dead believers. And then verse 17's key. Then we, plural, who are alive and remain shall be caught up. Those words caught up in Greek is the word harpazo, and if you were reading a Latin Bible, it's the word rapio, where we get our English word rapture. So when people say the word rapture is not in the Bible... In one way, they're right. No, the English word rapture is not in the Bible, but the the English word Bible is not in the Bible. But we believe in the Bible. Uh, The word trinity is not in the Bible, but the Bible teaches that God is a trinity. I mean, there's lots of words that are not in the Bible that are truths of the Bible. The rapture is one of those, but... The word rapture comes from the Latin word that is in the Latin Bible here, which is rapio. So the rapture is found in the Bible. There it is. And then it says that we're going to be caught up together with the, uh, with them. That's the dead believers in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. We're always going to be with him. So that's very clear there. There will be a rapture. It will not be private in the sense of it's an individual thing. It will be secret in that the unbelievers won't see it happen and won't know it happened until after it happened. But everyone who is born again and who has a right relationship with God through faith in Jesus, when this event happens, they will all go together. As it says there in verse 17, we will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And then you also have what we mentioned a moment ago, First Corinthians chapter 15 And there again, listen to the language in verse 51, behold, I tell you a mystery, Paul says, we, and there it's plural again, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment and twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. And we, who's that, the we here and the we who are alive shall be changed, the dead and the alive. Uh, believers will be changed so in both of those passages that talk about the rapture you see the plural we and all of us all together will experience this john
1: amen it's a great answer and and i hope that uh answers it for you dina does that help you out
2: that is very helpful
7: um do i have time to ask one another quick question
1: uh sure go right ahead
7: (laughs) okay the other quick question i had was um today we were at a bible study about like demonic activity kind of thing and Mm -hmm. um One of the questions came up was, um, so Satan and a third of the angels fell um, because they made a choice to fall. One of the questions that came up was, do they have a choice to change their mind and ask forgiveness?
1: (laughs) The answer to that would be uh, negative. No, they do not uh, have that choice. Uh, That is decided uh, already, and um, their fate is sealed. Uh, demonic spirits, uh, as well as the devil. That, that's, it's over for those guys. I hope that's that helps I you. I mean, it. Scott, <laughs> do you have a passage? Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a passage of scripture for
2: that, Pastor Scott? Well, John, the only, you know, the only thing I would point at along mm-hmm. with that is just to say, That when it comes, especially in the New Testament, right, when it speaks of salvation, salvation Mm -hmm. and the forgiveness of sin and salvation is only for human beings made in the image of God. Angels were created beings not made in the image of God, so there is no salvation for them. Yeah,
1: great response. And Dina, thank you for that that extra question there and uh, encourage you to stay on the line. We'd love to send you out some materials. So thankful that you called. God bless you out there in Florida. And uh, thanks for listening in today. Why don't we go out to Mineral Wells, Texas? And we got Jeffrey on the line. Jeffrey, you're on to Every Man and Answer.
8: Hey there. Good afternoon, guys. Um, My question has to do with the uh, uh, age of accountability. Uh, You know, the Tim LaHaye books, the Left Behind books, they they kind of popularize that a lot, I think. But uh, Mm -hmm. I I just don't find anything scriptural about it. I mean, you know, you look at – Sodom and Gomorrah. There was no age of accountability there. You look at the Noah's flood. I read nothing there, and uh, we just like to know your thoughts. I know it's just a, it's a nice thought. I've got kid, grandkids that you know I, that are young, and we all want to know that our that we want to believe fully in the age of accountability, and uh, we just would like to know your uh, your thoughts. It may also say it doesn't mean it, with Noah's flood it doesn't mean with Sodom and Gomorrah that those children. Uh, went to hell you know but it just uh it it uh but it, it, there's nothing there that says that they were kept away from the wrath of god
1: right appreciate the question and that is a, is a common question that we've heard here on the program more than once you know first of all it's important to understand that um all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god in fact david in psalm 51 he said surely i was sinful at birth and I've always noted having four kids that you never have to teach them how to do what is right or wrong, I should say. You have to teach them how to do what's right because they naturally are sinners like their parents. But, you know, when you talk about the age of accountability, I think it's a, a common, um, I suppose, uh, theme or, or thought that the age of 13 is the most commonly suggested age of accountability based on the Jewish custom of a child becomes an adult at that particular age. But the Bible doesn't necessarily give. A particular date or age of accountability. Um, you know, Scott, when you hear about this, people ask that question and, and primarily it seems to connect itself to what happens to those kids that never had a chance to receive Christ. Um, or, uh, you know, is there, is there an age of accountability? What, what's, what's your take on that as,
2: as a parent?
1: Um, how would you
2: respond to that? Well, that is a great question. And you know, Jeffrey, you're right. The Bible doesn't say anything about the age of accountability in that way. Okay. Um, but if you do study, for instance, um the the principles of God's judgment, how God is going to judge people, um, you read Romans chapter two especially, uh, what you'll see is one of the things that God is going to judge people on is is when he judges them, he's going to judge them based on information. He's going to judge them based on the knowledge that they have. Um, God is going to be completely fair in his judgments. Uh, it's interesting whenever God ha- had uh, sent the angels um, to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, and what was going on was Abraham was talking there with the Lord in uh, Genesis chapter uh, 18 and 19. What's interesting is whenever Abraham was talking to the Lord there about him destroying Sodom and Gomorrah, because his nephew Lot was living there and his family, he brought up this question to the Lord. He said, you know, hey, if there's 50 righteous there, would you judge the wicked with the righteous? No, if there's 40. And he, he went down all the way to 10, if you remember. Well, what's interesting is uh, Abraham makes a statement to the Lord, which is incredible, which I believe is a wonderful principle to remember, and he says this. He says, will not the judge of the earth do right? In other words, from the very beginning of the Bible, there's this principle that Abraham had this knowledge of God that when God judges, he will always judge rightly and fairly because God has the information upon every person. Uh, everything they have done, everything they, they intended to do, uh, that's why God can be the only one to be the judge of human souls and, and their destiny because he knows everything about all of this. And I think it's important to understand that. Um, also what's interesting is, is it's very clear, uh, when you read Romans 2, that again, one of the principles that God will use is the knowledge that people will have. God will hold people accountable for the light and the information that He has given to them. So when we're talking about children who are not able to understand the gospel, children who are not able to understand that they are sinners and that they they have a that there's a necessity for them to repent of their sins. And to turn to God in faith through what Jesus Christ has done for them, uh, those children, uh, God, I don't believe as I read the scriptures in totality that God is going to hold them responsible, uh, if they die without the ability to comprehend the gospel and to be able to do what God requires for salvation, uh, in that way, in the sense of, of repenting and believing. Um, there is a scripture, very interesting, uh, back in, uh, in, uh, I believe it's 1 Samuel, right? Um, where David himself, um, David committed sin with Bathsheba, and the result of it was she was pregnant, and that child died. Okay? And what was interesting is after the child dies, David makes a statement, Um, that's very interesting and very revealing in this, that I think it's very revealing in this, uh, issue. He says this, he says, I, I," he says he, since he's dead now, he cannot come to me, but I can go to him. And so it's interesting that David, even under the old covenant, had this understanding that when his child, of course, this was a, this was a baby, the child died. That even though that child was conceived in sin, and even though it died because of David's own sin and Bathsheba, his mother's sin, that David still had the understanding that that son of his was with the Lord, that God would not hold that baby responsible for his father's sins or his mother's sins, and that the baby was with the Lord. And so I think as you look at all the scriptures, that's kind of the overarching principle in all of this is will God hold children, um, no matter who they are, um, whether they're, they're children in, in homes of unbelievers or homes of believers, will he hold children who don't have the capacity to understand the scriptures in the, in the, in the sense of understanding the requirements for salvation? Will he hold them responsible for that? I do not believe he will uh, based on everything you see in Scripture. So, John, I'll, I'll give it back to you.
1: Yeah, I, th- I was thinking another passage that came to mind, uh, Jeffrey, uh, was that passage in Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. As God was about ready to judge Nineveh for her sins, um, he said to the prophet Jonah, he said, Should I not pity, pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who don't know their right hand from their left? God had pity, it seems to indicate, on the children. They don't know their right hand from the left. They don't know what what's what's what. And and so you see that mercy of the Lord. And so I would say um, that that there is that that uh, merciful uh, nature of the Lord revealed in Scripture. But I do believe also that there does come a point when children have the capacity to make a decision. They can understand. And Jesus said, "Unless you become like a little child." you'll never even see the kingdom. So it starts with a childlike faith. And I think, I'll tell you what, in ministering over the last 30 years, people who are most open to the gospel typically are children. (laughs) They just, they have a heart for God. They believe God. They love God. And so I appreciate the call, Jeffrey. Is that answer for you?
8: That's a great uh, answer. Thank you very much.
1: You got it, brother. God bless you out there in Mineral Wells, Texas. So glad that uh, you are able to call. Listen, we have a lot of calls still on the line today. Mm -hmm. And guys, listen, if you call back tomorrow, Burton, Alfred, Steve, we are going to answer your questions tomorrow. We'll put you on first thing. We've come down to about 30 seconds before we end. But Pastor Scott, thank you. And I just wanted to say great answers today to these questions. So coherent. I appreciate the fact that you're able to present for us just solid biblical responses and just really appreciate
2: you, man. Thanks so much for today. Well, John, it's a pleasure to be on with you as it always is. And, uh, you are a wonderful host. You do a wonderful job. And, uh, so you make my part easy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Well, folks, again, you've been listening to the Tuesday edition of To Every Man and Answer. I encourage you to go back and listen to this later on. Perhaps you want to go to Rumble and share it or maybe Facebook live, share it with your friends. But if not, I encourage you to call back tomorrow and, uh, here at 888. 888- eight there's four eights ask csn and we'll take your questions so god bless you until next time we'll see you soon god bless
0: to find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program please call 1-800-357-4226 Or write us to Everyman and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Everyman and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash tema. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station.